Welcome to Headshots, the psychology and gaming podcast. Or is it the gaming and psychology podcast? I forgot. What is it that I usually say, Lauren? What is it? Um, you say something about how you and Kelly are super great and amazing and love video games and you have a huge following of adoring fans. Um, I think that's usually how it goes. Is that usually how it goes? I think awesome. So. Cool. Well, thank you for doing it for us this time. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren Keller is back. Thank you so much. Back again. All right. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the excellent game, What Remains of Edith Finch by so, uh, Giant Sparrow. I'm so glad that you brought up this game. It was it was on my radar, it was on my list. And usually it just takes, you know, a friend to tell me, "Have you played this game? We you should play this game and then we can talk about it." And and that's what happened. Yeah. So so why why did you why did you want to talk about What Remains of Edith Finch or or just like what did you think of it? Well, I d- played it and was like Oh my goodness, I love this game. This is everything I'm looking for in a game. Uh, and then I sat down and made one set of friends play through it while I watched. And then I went over to a different person's house and made them play through it. <laughs> and then I bought it for a streamer that I watch and made her play through it. So I've, I've gone through this game four whole times. I love this game. And I really wanted to talk to you about it. So I'm glad that you got it and played it. So, so I'm curious. You said it, this is exactly the type of game that that you want to play. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that? What what is that type of game? What is a Lauren game? Well, I mean, I, I like a lot of different games, but I do particularly like narrative games that really focus on the idea of experiencing a narrative uh, as a player, where it's not really your narrative. Somebody else has written it, but you can only experience it through your own actions within the game space. And so the idea of having this sort of series of short stories that are told through um, What Remains of Edith Finch is, I, I just really like the, um, the interaction between the player and the stories that you're, you're discovering and hearing about and actually experiencing. So you've, so, so you've tried to pitch this game to many people now. What, what is your pitch for it? How would you describe it? Uh, usually I'm like, hey, shut up and play this game. It's only like two and a half hours long. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, I, I feel like, uh, death positivity is something that's sort of important to me. And I feel like this, the Edith Finch has very much, a, it is stories about death and grieving and how families deal with death and, um, You know, video games handle death in really weird ways. I mean, we play, you know, first-person shooter war games where you're just murdering people all day, and it's a grand old time. Um, But we never really go into, like, what happens after somebody has died. Like, what, what is it, you know, to grieve and to experience mourning? And that's something that literally every human being experiences, right? We're all gonna die. Somebody you know is gonna die. So it's like, why isn't that talked more about in games where we have this ability to discuss it without having to worry about like, oh, actually somebody did die? It's like, no, it's fantasy. We can sort of stick our toes in and think about it without getting like too depressing. So so what remains of Edith Finch is a collection of stories, right? I would say mm-hmm. of of different deaths. It's between, how many would you say? Is it is it 11? Is it 12? Um, essentially how many you play through yeah yeah 
Four. I'm staring at the family tree five, too. So for people who haven't played six. the game, there's a there throughout the game you're you have this family tree that you're filling in as you're playing, and then you see all of the different members of the family, and you're actually going through a house and experiencing each and every one of these persons' death. So you're you're playing through and eventually like eventually you know that you're playing through to the moment that they died and and that's a really i don't know at first it was uncomfortable mm-hmm. and towards the end it wasn't at all and i i i wonder if that was kind of the intention right like let's talk about death and and at first it feels eerie and it feels strange and at the end it feels at sometimes joyous and 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 whimsical and and there's so many different versions of it and and even some of them are accidents some of them aren't i mean there's a lot going on mm-hmm. yeah looking through my notes it looks like there's 11 or 12 depending on how you count yeah yeah that's what i was thinking too okay okay <laughs> yeah Whew. so so for me uh when i when i started playing it was I felt like when I was playing Gone Home, mm-hmm. right? That similar feeling where you're walking into a house and you don't know what to expect. And and for me, Gone Home was very much. I always I I was afraid for the first half of the game. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was. I thought it was a horror game. Yeah. And and here I kind of felt the same way. And especially because the first couple stories are kind of scary, in 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 very different ways. One where you're practically a monster and the other one where you're actually in a in a horror movie mm-hmm. right it is so so that like setting things off that way um it made me feel just made me feel so uncomfortable at first <laughs> at first it was what was like it what was it like for you when you first started playing um i i definitely also got those gone home feelings especially um walking up to the house and hearing it Edith sort of narrating her feelings about it and looking at the uh, the mail in the mailbox and um, you have that first choice of which way to approach the house, which um, I know you and Kelly have talked about before. The idea of being uh, the first choice that you give players is really important. <laughs> but and, it, and it's funny because I didn't realize that I had a choice. Not really. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not really a choice. You either go like left or right at a break but one leads you down into a forest and then to the house and then one leaves leads you like down the driveway next to the forest to the house it's not really a difference but um it's well i got lost in the forest (laughs) it's that one moment where you're like well which way do i go and uh yeah it, it was sort of interesting um definitely getting that creepy feeling walking up to this weird tall uh weasley family esque house and uh you know there's like forest animal sounds and everything is sort of somber and uh you know you're already framed in death right edith is talking about how her mother died and left her a key and so it's like you're already like well somebody's already dead and it's creepy here and there's nobody here and uh i'm going into this house that i have a history with but as the player you don't know it yet and so there's like also this feeling of like i need to find out what this is all about just oh, very um, compelling. Yeah, I got I got the feeling from seeing the house. It looks something like out of a Miyazaki movie. Mm-hmm. 
but then the world is still so grounded that then it looked it just looks like a house that's not very sturdy like if i step inside that thing that thing is gonna fall or at least parts of it yeah i really like that the that the game sort of rode the line in between fantasy and realism where you know there's talk about this family curse and and you know is the family cursed or are they just products of like really terrible decision making as parents just through all the generations (laughs) really um but uh yeah just like how how those feelings are when you approach the house is really powerful and really engaging is definitely I was like I got to find out what's going on in there and, and then I loved when you get into the house and the first thing is just like a ton of books stacked on everything I was like oh I want to live here <laughs> I'll go here but you're totally right about how it's like on one hand it's sort of fantastical but on the other hand it's like this is not a safe place for human beings to habitate habitat ha- ha- there's a word here uh Live here. Live in. Live in. Ha- ha- <laughs> Habit, uh, hab- habituate. Something. Habitate. Habit. I don't know. <laughs> something. Anyways, yeah. But it doesn't. It definitely looks lived in. Yes. When you're inside, definitely. it doesn't. It doesn't look like that. Fa- that fantasy element from the outside really isn't um, visible when you walk in. Mm-hmm. It's very much. It looks like an abandoned house, right? It looks like someone was living there and then they suddenly left. Yeah. The things aren't really packed up. And and it's a it's a big house, but I think what one of the things that really added to the creepiness uh factor of it for me was when Edith so Edith is the main character, right? She's who you're playing as. And then when she's talking about her grandma Edie and how Edie sealed all the rooms up. And then like, like that's it, it made it made me feel so I don't know, just uneasy when you would see a room and then it looked like it was uh, like glued right mm-hmm. around the edges and then had a board across it and it was completely sealed. And as you learn, like once somebody died in the house, she kind of, she, she sealed off the rooms and that was so, oh, also she put a peephole in it so that yeah, you could yeah, see that was, into it. That was um, actually Edith's mom, Dawn, locked up all of the rooms um, and used like, it looks like foam cement is what they're sealed with. But then Edie went back through and drilled in those peepholes so you could still see inside. Oh, okay, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, okay, okay. I I, I completely trust you because you played through it four times. <laughs> so, so why did Dawn, like, why did Edith's mom do that? So that's sort of one of the main thrusts of the story. Uh, throughout this game is the idea being that Edie is obsessed with this idea of the family curse. Uh, uh, you know, they came to America trying to get rid of the curse, and even before they land, um, they're somewhere in like Oregon or Washington, and even before they get there, somebody's already been killed. Um, the house <laughs> falls into the ocean because I don't know why you would try and ship a house, but okay. Um, and just this idea being that that Edie is is so into the family curse um, to the point where the stories themselves become powerful in scary ways. And basically, Dawn blames Edie for hanging on and retelling these stories so much that she's basically is like, "You've infected my children with this this family curse idea, and it's killing them." And so she 
closes all the doors in an attempt to save Edith, which at that point, I think she's the last remaining of Dawn's three children. Um, and so it's sort of a, like, I'm going to seal up these stories as a way to protect my children from hearing them because the stories themselves are dangerous. Got it. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So she didn't believe the stories. She just believed that the effect that they had was, was somehow like negative to her kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Because at this point, like we can, we can jump around, right? By the time we get to, to Edith's two brothers, their deaths are very, everybody's death here is different. I don't know where to start I know, <laughs> talking right? about these deaths because, oh man. Yeah. So, whew. like w- which is, which is the death that kind of, and they are deaths, right? So, so again, every single story is the death of, of a family member. There, Milton's story is the only one that is ambiguous because he is the one who disappeared. So, I I saw an interview with someone from Giant Sparrow, mm-hmm. and they say that it's canonical to the the unfinished swan mm-hmm. which was their first their first game i i didn't read the the thing i saw that somebody had tweeted about it that they were they were connected i don't know if i i kind of like it being ambiguously connected because i like that the game doesn't say like if it is fantastical or not if there is a family curse if there is magic it just sort of leaves it for you to decide but i did really like the unfinished swan so i'm kind of torn on that it's a good game so, so this is something I wanted to talk about because as you as you see the stories, right? The stories, some of them seem to be told from Edie's perspective, right? They're like they're Edie telling the story, but others you see things written down by the people, right? Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Yeah. So, so some of the stories you're like, this can't possibly have happened, even though you see clues to it being possible. Like the first death that you experience, which is Molly's, is. It's just, it's so weird. And it actually, it makes no sense whatsoever, <laughs> right? I think Mo- I'm really glad that they made Molly the first the first vignette that you experience because it is so weird and it definitely puts the player in a like, what the heck is happening here? Which I think is a good position to be early on, right? Um, yeah, because it's like, she's, she's just this kid and she's like, oh, um, I wanted to do, to catch a bird. So I turned into a cat. And then she turned into she turns an into owl? an owl, and then right. a shark, and then a sea monster. Yeah, and then the sea monster, as you as the sea monster that is still Molly, creeps into Molly's room, and apparently eats Molly. Mm-hmm. Right. That that is what That's Molly writes in her notebook, the one exactly. that you're reading. Um, <clears throat> what what I think happened is Molly ate an entire tube of toothpaste uh, back when it would have been poisonous to do so um, and ate uh, holly berries, which are also incredibly poisonous. Um, and so what I think what actually happened is that Molly ate a bunch of stuff, tripped out because <laughs> her brain's all filled with <laughs> toxins and poison and... Uh, and ba- I mean, one would expect then threw up a whole bunch before dying, but uh, they didn't show that part so much. <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, this is true. <laughs> and there are clues in the bathroom to to kind of all this stuff and throughout the room. Mm-hmm. And so obviously she couldn't have. So like, when did she write that story? When she was in the middle of tripping? I guess. Possibly. It's like she yeah. started eating food and that's when she was like, I better write this down. Or maybe like she had already been throwing up and that's why she's like, oh, I'm. it's sort of amb- it's like weird because she says in her journal, like, I'm going to die. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. It, it, you can follow from that is like, I- is she writing that because, you know, she's what, I think 10 at the time. And so yeah. let's say she she's Edie's daughter um, and she's 10. Do you think that Edie had already been telling her about, you know, the quote unquote family curse? And that made, you know, a 10 year old little girl basically be like, oh, well, I'm cursed and I'm going to die. Just like anytime anything bad happened, it's like, well, this is my, I'm going to die. <laughs> Family curse is going to get me. Yeah, that's, uh, it's weird, right? Like maybe because, because Edie's father was, because of the way he died, she thinks that he was cursed and mm-hmm. maybe, yeah. Cause like, it doesn't feel like a curse when you're the second one really, or, or there yeah. would have only been one by then and the house. Yeah, they I mean, at that point, only um, Odin, right? Odin. Yeah. Odin had died on the original house. Yeah. He drowned. Um, but they said that they moved because of the family curse. So we can guess from that that at least some other people in the family had already died. Yeah. Though, you know, everybody dies. So that yeah. doesn't really confirm a curse, but okay. Yeah. 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 That first, that first story of Molly is so weird. So at this point, you're like... I don't know. I don't know what this is, but I I I want more. I'm still kind of scared. I don't know what happened, but I just turned into a shark yes. and then rolled down a hill. So but that's the best part where you're like you're a shark is. and you're kind of just like <laughs> flopping down. Press A to flop, right? Yep. <laughs> I liked that a lot. I laughed. <laughs> it's very silly. And then uh, the, is is Barbara's the second uh, vignette that we play? Um, no. Uh, then we go into. Uh, Edie's room through the window. Okay. And you get to see, um, gosh, what are those those old toys? The red ones with the clicker on the side and it like a flips through photos. A yeah, like a yeah. Viewmaster. Yeah. Um, you go through that and that shows Odin gotcha. um, with the house. Gotcha. Uh, and then you get to look around Edie's room and there's some like little details that you don't on your first playthrough don't have any meaning yet but um on later playthroughs you start to pick up that she's got all of these little bits in her room that are adding to this idea of like the family curse um like she she tells everybody that her husband sven died uh fighting a dragon right is she's like oh makes it all fantastical but really is like he was trying to build a slide and fell off of it and died yeah yeah and in her bedroom she has the picture of him as he is falling to his death yeah yeah like like that's a weird thing to keep in your bedroom but okay Edie's a little weird she is a little weird she is a little uh, weird i I also liked that she had all of those um bird cages with little tiny memorial pictures on the bird cages for each of the birds. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah, her, like, like Edie's relationship with death is is probably the most interesting thing. Absolutely. Yeah, because again, even if like like that story, right, of the dragon, it was her way of telling 
a death, the story of a death without, she's still talking about it, about the person dying, someone that she cared about, but, but there's a story there, right? And, and, and everybody in this, in this story, in this game has a story. Um, I don't know. I, I, I love, like, I wanted to get to Barbara's because Barbara's is like, it's, I've never played a game where you're playing through a comic book, essentially, right? Yeah. The way it's yeah, set up. The, it's so cool. The design was really, really excellent on that part. I would love to see another game take a swing at that kind of style because it was, it was really neat. There was a couple of, um, when they would switch panels, it would get a little bit jarring occasionally but mostly it, w- it was really cool and i love the art style and i love i mean i love horror in general so i love that they were playing you know the sort of the uh halloween sting of getting haunted or chased by the monster the murderer um and like the old crypt crypt keeper tales style comic <laughs> book it was i i like that one a lot i thought it was very cute and well done yeah yeah it was definitely like tales from the crypt Definitely had the actual real Halloween uh, theme. It was, mm-hmm. oh, it was so creepy, and it was it's such a weird story. But it was very much a Tales from the Crypt story, and and the way you play through the panels, uh, and then and like there's this weird feeling of after you get past that one and you actually see the house in the normal style, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh wait a minute, like did this actually happen? Did it not happen? It's another one of those stories. That's one of the ones that seems the most believable. Which just makes mm-hmm. you think, like, wow, you guys are really unlucky. Like, you were surrounded by crazy people, essentially. <laughs> do you do you think Barbara um, was killed by a monster, or do you think that she was killed by her boyfriend, who was never seen again? <laughs> so I got the impression that it was that it was the mob uh, at the end, right? Like the the whole group of people at the party. Not that they they were actually monsters that that ate her up, but that somehow like something went wrong at that party and the people there were responsible like that they were infatuated with her that's kind of the impression i got interesting yeah so and and so and then i'm gonna go back to milton's because this is this is the weird thing right as i'm going through the game i'm like okay this is the story version i don't i'm not sure that that's actually what happened but then towards the end of the game, when you get to Milton's, right, so, so there's a, the Giant Sparrow's previous game was called The Unfinished Swan. I love this game. I've, I've brought it up multiple times, every, any chance I get. And mm-hmm. I love it because it's a story of a little boy who loses his mother. He gets to keep one thing of hers, and it's a painting that she never finished. And then he walks through the painting. So I always saw that story as being um, a child trying to come to terms with having lost his mother. And mm-hmm. he did it through his imagination. And he thought, well, my mom didn't finish this painting. I wonder why. What would it have been like to finish it? And then he invents this world where he goes through and, and he's able to essentially paint his way through, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. But now when I played this, right, and then you see the imagery from that game in Milton's room, and you kind of get this impression that the same thing happened to Milton or at least something similar I was like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. So then I dug deeper and apparently, right? So according, again, this kind of removes kind of the, the nuance of it and, and kind of maybe what what I believed at one point because now it's messed with me on uh, for both games because mm-hmm. the creators say that it's canonical that Milton in Edith Finch is the king in The Unfinished Swan. And in The Unfinished Swan, the king is this character that created an entire world out of just 
he, he has this magic paintbrush and he's able to create an entire world. And according to, so if this is true, right, this is crazy. So if this is true, according to Edith, um, what remains of Edith Finch, Milton has this magic paintbrush that he, he was able to create a doorway with to go to this magical land where he made himself essentially the king and created an entire reality, sort of. Mm-hmm. And then Monroe, which is the main character in The Unfinished Swan, somehow enters that world and comes across all of the things that Milton has done over the years and interacts with that story. I don't remember how The Unfinished Swan ends, but I just started playing it again for, for reference. Mm-hmm. And, cause it's, and it's also because it's so great. So that kind of messes with me because then that means that The Unfinished Swan is, it's not just in Monroe's mind. He actually did go to a magical place. And then it means that, that some of the things in Edith Finch are actually true. And the story right before Milton's is Lewis's. And Lewis's story gives you the impression that he has some sort of mental illness, which has, which has him living in a fantasy world. But it says that it's a fantasy world that he's created. Mm-hmm. And you actually get to walk through it. So in a way, it's like, okay, so Lewis comes first. He is actually able to create this magical world. And then his little brother right after him goes and also creates a magical world. I think actually Milton comes before Lewis, but but you're right. This idea of uh, is it is it just imagination in their heads, or it, is it magic? Oh, you're right. Milton dies before Lewis. You're right. Milton you're right. disappears, and then uh, yeah, he disappears. Exactly. Yeah, he goes. I guess he goes into the painting. Yep, he's younger than Lewis, but he did he did disappear. Yeah, um, so he he disappears in. 2003 is what yeah. I have written down. Yep. Um, and then yep. Lewis. No, oh, I in didn't 2010. Write, yeah, I didn't write down Lewis's 2010. So seven years later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you what do you think of that? Like like I'm putting this stuff together, right? As I'm playing the game, as I'm looking at more information, as I'm seeing both of them, and again, it kind of messes with me because Edie is making up these stories, or did something, or did something. Or apparently there there is this fantasy element to it, which then makes me revisit all of them and say, whoa, then in this world, what what kinds of things are are possible and which of these things actually happened? Yeah, it's uh, an unreliable narrator of an unreliable narrator of mm-hmm. an unreliable narrator, <laughs> right? We're going actually, like, it's, a, it's a whole bunch of them. Yeah, because yeah, every go. time she's reading their personal accounts. Exactly. Or her, actually, the more I think about it, it's actually her interpretation, like Edith's, actually interpreting some of the documents like um when it has to do with gregory he's she's just reading um divorce settlement papers mm-hmm. right and but she's creating this whole story that's not on that paper yep or at least the, the story that we're seeing is something that maybe edie told her or maybe she's just imagining it yeah but also lewis and milton are her brothers mm-hmm. so what if she's also able to make these like just create these fantasy worlds yeah. Even though she's just remembering them. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. It's very much the the idea of, you know, what what is real and what you know, even if it's not real, clearly fantasy stories can affect us. I mean, you know, obviously we love talking about video game stories and how they affect us. So so clearly fantasy can have true impact in reality. So it's like this big fuzzy gray line of Edith Finch of like what what is real and does it really matter? 
Yeah, so like if a fantasy story version of a real traumatic event is going to help me get through it, is that a bad thing? Mm-hmm. Is it? It depends, I guess. It like depends. I don't want to outright say say well, no, which I, I incline towards yes, but I mean towards no, right? It's not a problem, but I, I guess it depends. Well, and that's maybe the extra layer there, right? It's like maybe these stories were really beneficial for Edie or um, Dawn or Sam to, to take in these stories and accept them as, as real because they were meaningful to them. But, you know, the next generation with Edith and Lewis and, and Milton, like, does the story provide the same benefits to them or does it end up sort of backfiring and actually makes them like more prone to, you know, getting hurt by these stories? That's a good point. Like uh, Walter's was really interesting, right? Because Walter, you learned that, or Edith thought that he had disappeared, but he was living like in a, in a basement Mm -hmm. the entire time while she was there, right? She was, for part of the time. yeah. Yeah. She didn't know he was there. So then, he eventually leaves that i mean he's in there is is it correct that he's in there because he's scared of the curse yeah it seems like um he he witnessed uh barbara getting killed or he witnessed something oh, that scared him he was him. under the bed he, he was, was under, under the, the bed, bed. and right. so something yeah. happened where he got so scared that he basically i, I mean he became agoraphobic and um Part of the my thoughts on that is like, was this fed, like made worse because Edie was pushing this idea of the curse, and so it's like this this kid who sees something that they don't really understand, but you know, scary or violent, and uh, scars them, and then having your own mother be all like, well, I mean, yeah, the curse is gonna get you, and so it's like, well, you know what, I'm gonna go live in the basement. Don't tell anybody I'm here. I'm just going to eat my peaches in peace. And uh, yeah, his story is really sad. Yeah, because I, I feel like he walked out. Finally, he left that room mm-hmm. to die. So so here's, uh, I totally want to plug this guy's video because it was super good. I watched this YouTube okay. video by Joseph Anderson. And it is almost an hour long. Um, so maybe you don't need to watch the whole thing, but it is a really good video and it's called The Villain of Edith Finch. And he basically talks about who he thinks is the villain of this story. And he outlines that Edie is the villain because she keeps pushing this idea of the family curse, because she keeps bringing up, you know, your death is coming for you. You can't escape the family curse. Uh, you know, look at all these terrible things that have happened to our family members. And she keeps bringing it up and, and making it basically the family can't escape. Um, he follows, the, the, Joseph Anderson follows this up with basically outlining that um, she becomes obsessed with the family curse idea, not because she believes it's necessarily true, but because it works as a way for her to avoid taking blame for Molly's death because she died in her room and if you go and hit the like click on the door you hear um you hear Edie say like go to sleep but the door is locked from the outside so Edie Mm -hmm. sends her daughter to bed without dinner locks her in her room and then the next morning she's dead like that's straight up that's parental neglect that's your fault 
right? And Molly keeps saying how hungry she is, mm-hmm. right? I'm so hungry. I want to eat And so and so instead of being like, "Oh, I killed my daughter." She goes, "Oh, it's the family curse. Isn't that terrible? It's not me. It's the family curse." And so then um Walter is damaged by whatever happened to him and he's down in the basement and um in Edie's room you can come across uh, a clipped out article on her wall and it says something about the mole man of the finch house Hmm. uh and and uh this youtube video joseph anderson's video basically is like the only person who would have talked to the newspaper about the quote unquote mole man is Edie. And so she was fueling her own, like, oh, I need attention about my family curse by pointing that out. And, and the same thing goes for the um, uh, Barbara's comic book, how the house looks like the house and the music box is in there. And that's all stuff that an outsider wouldn't know, right? So did somebody, did Edie tell the comic book artist, like, hey, there's like, this is going to be really good. There's a, a music box with a secret key in it. And the only thing we found of her was her ear. Ooh, so scary. And it sort of feeds into this like, oh, family curse. And she's getting that attention that she clearly wants. Uh, it is a really interesting take. Also, like Edie is the only person who probably facilitated Walter staying down there. Yes. Right? Like, where's he getting those peaches from? He never left the room. Edie didn't tell anybody that he was there, not until later. Mm-hmm. And, and and all the other things that happened in the house, like we see the house in 2017, probably, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the house is pretty much the same. So Barbara died, what, in 1960? And Edie didn't change anything. She didn't replace anything. Like almost like, a, yeah, like, like she in a way preserved it, right? She didn't seal the rooms. Yeah. But she did preserve everything the way it was. Like there is some sort of maybe like fetishizing of the yeah. family curse and what happened. That's a and, good way and the of people it. thing. Yeah, and the peephole is a way of like, well, you can seal it away, but I still want people to be able to see it. Yeah, kind of like a museum to the deaths of of my family. Yes, of the curse. Absolutely. Hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna check that video out. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. I I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, 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 sort of uh, his, he had additional evidence of, of basically um, Edie being villainous in her pushing this family curse story. And uh, in Walter's story, instead of him deciding, like, I'm going to leave, instead of him walking up the stairs into the house and leaving that way, he literally bashes a hole through a wall to escape. So it's like, is, is he doing that because he, he can't face Edie? He can't go towards her. He has to escape from her. I don't know. I don't know. It's very cool. I don't know. It was a good video. It was. It was interesting. The. I mean, the train. He has the train set in his in his bunker, and then he gets hit by a train. I guess, or I don't know. Walks walks in front of the train. Like, yeah. Like I have mixed feelings. Like uh, one time, I'm like, oh, he. Like, how ironic. He finally escaped and he immediately died. But it almost seemed like he he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. I also hmm. like that uh, playing through that section after you see Walter's story, you get to go out the same path as him and you come out onto the beach 
uh, and you get to see the broken totem pole and the graveyard up on the hill and the house out in the water. I think that visually that's like one of the strongest points for me. I really liked that. Those are really good, good, good shots, good framing oh, yeah. and color. Yeah. And it was beautiful. And and the feeling in general of playing through these fantasies and then seeing it mm-hmm. for real. It's like, oh, wait, well, when what, what did happen? What didn't happen? Um Kind of like even towards it's later in the game where you're kind of climbing up the outside of the house mm-hmm. where I start thinking like, oh, wait a minute, maybe Molly was out here, you know, walking around. And I hadn't thought about that since, since the beginning. Yeah. Ooh. So there's there's one in particular, there's one um, story, Gregory's, the baby, mm-hmm. right? That one, it, it was the first time playing the game where I really, it, it reminded me, and, and I wanted to ask you if there are many other games that you've that you've played or that you know of that deal with death um, this way. But Gregory's in particular reminded me of That Dragon Cancer. Mm-hmm. And in the way that That Dragon Cancer was made by the parents of a of a very, very young child. I think he was, he was maybe a toddler when he died of cancer. Yeah. And the parents made this game to... It, it's essentially you playing through kind of whimsical and sometimes warped versions of their memories with their child and dealing with the diagnosis and treatment and all of these things. And so you know, like we know that that's a true story, but as you're playing them, you know it didn't play play out this particular way mm-hmm. um, as, as in the game. And playing as a baby, right? We're playing as Gregory. And it's kind of the first time where he, he has this... Um, so, so I'll, I'll put that there. I have other thoughts about Gregory too, but I just wanted to uh, let's talk about that first. Are there like, do you see a connection between those two games, or and and are there other games that you've ever played or heard of that are kind of like that that deal with death in in this way, kind of reimagining it? Um, I'm not. I don't know if I have one off of the top of my head. I know that there are examples for sure, but um, yeah. definitely. I mean, that dragon cancer was like an incredibly personal account, and they they made it less like incredibly depressing by by doing the really low poly um, art style and keeping the colors, you know, saturated and sort of bright and childlike, um, just just so it's not super heavy. And they did the same thing with with Gregory's story, right? It's like we're at a point. I think Gregory's probably about an hour and a half into the two and a half, three hour game. And so at that point, you you have come to realize literally every time you are playing one of these vignettes, you are experiencing the moments leading up to their death. So you start this bathtub scene and there's cute animals and rubber duckies. And um, oh, I'm totally blanking on the name of that that song that they use. Yeah, it's a, it's like a classical song. Yeah, yeah I forgot. It's like a Nutcracker song or something. I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's like this, you know, bright, fun, bouncy music, and it's of course, as a player, your first, you know, your first thing you do is you press the buttons to see what you can do, and then it's like, oh, I'm playing in the bath, and then it's like that moment, and and watching my friends play through this, I I always watched their face because I wanted to see that moment when they go, oh, I'm about to watch a baby die. Hmm. And just that, that like, oh, this is fun. A rubber ducky. This is so. Oh no. Oh no. So uh, yeah. it's very- not only that. Like you're gonna cause your own death. Yeah, and that's one of those things. Like, oh, I if I just stop playing, 
sweet, precious Gregory never dies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just turn off if the I game. Stop the game right now. Turn just it turn off. Turn it off, and we're never gonna play it again. I got a happy ending. What are you talking about? Uh, oh, I hate. What makes this worse is that I got a trophy during that story, mm-hmm. and I was very happy because <laughs> it's like bleep, bleep. Oh, yay, trophy! Oh no, I feel bad no. about this trophy. Yep. Mixed yep. feelings. I guess there's nothing else I can do, but. Mm-hmm. But die. That was a funny oh. trophy, though. Yeah, I yeah, really, yeah. I really liked. I mean, Lewis is my favorite vignette, but Gregory is a close second, just for that reason of of handling like infant death and making it in a way that it's like the player experiences weird emotional feelings about it because it's fun. It is fun to play that part, and it is, it is colorful really yeah. and beautiful and joyous and very much the idea of like childlike joy. And then you're like, oh, this is death. This is a death scene. This is me drowning. It's like really, really rough. That's a, that's another actually example of um, not family curse, but instead parental neglect, right? You should never leave a baby alone in a bathtub. Ever. Ever. Uh, yes. Yes, right? That's absolutely true. And and this is this is kind of where it gets complicated right it's like you have no idea what really happened because this is the story that edith is playing out in her head based on the divorce documents yep and so she must have heard about what happened but she's remembering this baby drowning in a bathtub in this magical whimsical way and the parents like the mom blames herself because she left him there Mm -hmm. but but maybe she didn't actually leave the water running, right? And maybe what if Gregory did have essentially like telekinesis, right? I mean, <laughs> which would be yes. what he has and he's controlling it all. And then he caused his own, his own drowning. <laughs> I mean, and I, and I, I, I never thought that like he actually had abilities or anything like that and actually caused that until. I look back because after that we we see Lewis and Milton, mm-hmm. and and again to an extent Edith, right? It's like, well, do these kids have some sort of even even um oh what was the kid um well, I guess I don't know Calvin I guess Calvin was the swing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm trying to think like that's absolutely possible. Like you could swing all the way around, right? There, Isn't that possible or is that impossible? I think that's been myth busted. I'm not. Not positive about that. But, I mean, if it was particularly windy, I guess you could. He's just a little kid. Um, but that's. But it was windy in both directions? Like, you know, like, it, <laughs> like I don't that's know. That's true. Yeah. Uh, who builds a swing set on the edge of a cliff next to a very sharp picket fence? Just a question. <laughs> just a question I have. Who does that? The finches. <sighs> yes. That's who. Yep. That's true. That's right. <laughs> But but even something like that where it's like, well, did you really cause that? I don't know. There's all this weird stuff. Like Sam's is just tragic, right? Sam's, there's nothing magical about it. It's just like, it's just very sad, yeah. a little stupid. Um, and, and just really tragic and kind of like the most, probably the most grounded. But... Yeah, I don't know. Gregory's Gregory's messed with me because it's like you said, that moment, it's absolutely true. When you get to that moment, you're like, I always play through through a death. I'm a baby. I'm going to die. And I can see how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like the I know I'm going to hit that water. And I tried to do it before, but it really doesn't let you. Yep. And 
and it lets you it makes you play like it forces you mm-hmm. to have to, to have fun on your way to to drowning yep and then and then of course like once he drowns he like goes to the drain and goes to the water and there's like this one more part until it kind of just fades away so i i really wonder like do you do you think that was edith's version of the story do you think that was edie's version of the story like that edie told edith that's what happened to gregory and then he like swam through and turned into a frog mm-hmm. and I think it's definitely overlap of the two. I think Edie would have embellished any sort of story about death in their family. And Edith being, you know, a, a child hearing about it would be like, yeah, of course that baby was magical. <laughs> that seems right. Um, yeah. Yep. yep. And, you know, she's reading these divorce papers where it's, it is Sam writing to his you know, soon to be ex-wife and basically being like, hey, you know, don't blame yourself so much. So there's certainly an element of like wanting there to be a little bit more warmth than just like, oh, a baby drowned. And so it's like, oh, let's imagine this with, you know, whimsy and magic instead of like, oh, a lady turned on a bathtub and then just walked out to take a phone call instead of watching her bathing child. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, so so if... I I absolutely think that there's no... There's really nothing... um, Like, every story is completely different, right? None of them have really, like, gameplay elements that are similar. None of them really follow... Um, similar style like they're they're all very different really the only thread is is kind of that Edith is experiencing them all right and mm-hmm. and yeah I mean and I think man is Lewis's my favorite did you read did they add something to Lewis's afterwards so with the update they they said that they added stuff into Molly's and Walter's and Lewis's but I did you play through it really, afterwards? I, I did go back and play through them. I didn't really notice anything different. I think that they added in um, a couple more, like, gamey elements into Lewis's part. Like, I don't remember the first time playing through um, when you are on the boat part. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's doing all of the uh, the Lewis joke names mm-hmm. of the places, uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis Lewis, Lewis yeah. <laughs> and St. Louis yeah. and stuff like that. I didn't remember the first time that they had like little flags that went up and made mm. like a game noise. Okay. okay. Um, but I could be mistaken about that. I, I may just not remember the first time. That's such a strange um, thing to add to the game afterwards. Right. To make it even gamier. But yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. I know that they, they said they added some stuff, but I didn't, nothing uh, that really changed you know the tone or the actions within it. It is probably background stuff. So why was would be my guess? So why was Lewis your your favorite story? Lewis is my favorite story because I really really like the idea of um, these two two sides, right? Having the the right hand is doing the fish chopping, and the left hand is exploring his imagination. And I really like that that game game mechanic of splitting up the controls. Did you play um, Brothers? Brothers? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That is one of my favorite games because oh. very much so, so it uses um, game mechanics as a storytelling device. We should and do an episode really on liked. that one. 
Oh, I would. Yes. I would totally okay, do that. Do I'd it. have to replay it again because I haven't Me played too. it since the game came let's out. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm down. I'm so down okay. this way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really like the idea of using game mechanics as additional storytelling, right? Yeah. The idea of the player is literally participating in the story. And and it, like to add to the gamey feeling of it, right? Of, of making that part like it's it's extremely dark, and it starts what what Edith is is reading um, are case notes from mm-hmm. uh, Lewis's therapist, and so right. Yeah, yeah. I actually have a question okay. um, because you would probably know better than me. Uh, is writing a letter like that? about your deceased client isn't that breaking some confidentiality uh possibly yes because i was i was playing and i was like are you allowed to do i don't think you're supposed to do this as a therapist be all like oh hey here's all the things that your son and i talked about in therapy yeah because he'd be 22 at this point Mm -hmm. um it would it would depend on a number of factors but yeah probably probably not okay (laughs) <laughs> Not to say that things like that don't happen all the time, but but yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah. <laughs> if he was a minor, it's different, um, and yeah, it is it is strange, right? It is. I, I I just said that it was case notes, but I think you're right. I don't think it it was kind of a letter from the therapist. It wasn't really mm-hmm. the case notes. So yeah, I mean, so so adding to the to the part of like it being a game, I kept I actually tried to see if there was some sort of high score you could get for the for the. <laughs> For the fish on the right side so mm-hmm. i kept trying to i kept it consistent and yeah and i love the way like like you said there's two things happening at the same time and one of them is very small at first and is slowly taking over the other and mm-hmm. i love the visual of that i love the metaphor of it that absolutely this this fantasy world that he's creating in his mind is taking over his real world and in and you're seeing that in every way possible including including the game, right? Because eventually it completely overshadows, one overshadows the other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really I really liked Lewis's story, you know, for the mechanical reasons, but also because it, it was sort of a, you know, a wink and nudge to the player being like, hey, games, you know, there, there can be a problem with, you know, just chasing escape. Just trying to escape your dull life can be dangerous in of itself. And the idea of having that message inside of a game is sort of this like, you know, what what are you hiding from right now that you're playing this game? And there's there's this idea that that I, I bring up all the time, which is which is my interpretation of Jane McGonagall's book, Reality is Broken, which is that like reality kind of sucks, right? Mm-hmm. And it can't compete with with games in particular, which is her argument. Um, I think it can't compete with a lot of other things, right? And it's hard. It's hard to to have that um, to it's not just self control. It's it's a it's a number of things, right? But like it's it, and it's not only the like the allure of the of the other thing. It's the like it's fulfilling needs that you have that your real life maybe isn't capable of fulfilling. And well, having and having control, you know, mm-hmm. Lewis got to decide what existed within in his world he built the buildings he created the you know the cute puppy dog he made the musicians and he made the songs that they were playing having that sort of control over your own life when real life is so chaotic and really you have very little control over you know 95 percent of your life and and that feeling of power can be so intoxicating 
and and the fact that people adored him, right? Everything uh, he was idolized essentially, and mm-hmm. no one was telling him, "Hey, you're doing a great job uh, chopping fish heads," right? Like that was well. It's like was even there. even if you do get that feedback, it is hearing that you're good at chopping fish heads that meaningful as opposed to, "Wow, you're such a powerful leader and." taking care of all of your subjects and you're so well beloved and you know it's like yeah yeah even if even if his boss is like oh he's great at fish chopping it's like oh i don't is that it is that the best that i have in real life is that i'm good at fish chopping yep or that can be depressing in of itself or i could go to lewis world and just have everybody love me yeah oh yeah yeah man i um I thought, right, that the way he was going to die, because at this point, right, we're, we're reaching the end when we're at Lewis's. We're just like, I wonder mm-hmm. how I'm going to die. I wonder how going to happen. So uh, I thought that I was going to walk around and, like, chop myself in the instead Wait, of a fish. When you were when you were chopping the fish in the beginning, were you like really careful about like, oh, don't put your hand in there? Yes, 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 I was. I was like, <laughs> okay, it won't, it won't let me go that far. Okay. And then when I came, like when it comes to that point where you're seeing yourself, like you're completely, you've separated yourself, right? From, mm-hmm. from, from, from yourself, to- right? Total disassociation. Yep. And then you see him. So I was like, am I going to grab Lewis and chop him, like chop his head instead of a fish? And I thought that would be so horrible. I was like, how are mm-hmm. they going to do this? And and thankfully, that's not the way it, it, it goes down. I mean, it's exactly what happens, but that's not the way that it happens. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really like that. Did you know, this is something, you know, playing through it a couple of times that I really enjoyed is as um, this story is going, there are two sentences uh, that start with, and then it struck him. <laughs> two separate sentences one in the beginning where it's um i think it's when it first switches to like the isometric perspective mm-hmm. um and it's like and then it struck him that it's like he had more like more control over creating his place and then it's like and then later on it's like and then it struck him that his life was better mm-hmm. here yeah. than real life and i just really liked that it's like the first time I heard it, and then it struck him, and I'm like, "Oh no! Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lewis. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird to say like, well, my favorite death experience in, in this particular <laughs> game. Like, I really enjoyed dying as Lewis. Oh. That is actually a really interesting thing to think about. Is like our experiencing death in this way, where you know, one, we're removed from it because it's not real. Um, but also because we don't experience like the literal moment of death, it's just leading up to it. Mm-hmm. And sort of the idea of thinking about that, like what kind of death would you prefer post-way? What, how do you want to die? Huh. I, I don't, do I have to choose from one of these? <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you don't have to choose at all, but it's something that I don't yeah. think people ever, you know, think about it too much because, yeah. you know, scary. Yeah. um but but it's something that maybe maybe we would be better at handling stuff if we did think about that kind of stuff yeah yeah i I, did think about death i do like stories about how like either 
going out with a bang or um you know finishing that bucket list or or having a very specific like this is how i want it to happen right mm-hmm. like i don't i don't i don't think much about like oh after i die i hope they do this 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 with my body and i hope that the you know funeral is like this or like that but, you know i i i do enjoy listening to people think they're like well i'd like to go out like this or i'd like to go out like that and yeah i mean it's a lot to think about i think i think a game like this helps you think about stuff like that and it also right. helps you think about what other people may have gone through when they died yeah 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 and and what you know family members have to deal with after a death in the family and how how death can not only affect those directly related but also the next generation and how they react to you know family stories of death and how you can't really escape that kind of history because the stories that you hear are a part of who you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Even like how many times did those stories change over the years? Mm-hmm. Right. Like Molly died in the forties, you know, how many different versions of that did, did, did Edie tell people? Yeah. Till, till yeah. the point where Edith is telling you, right. Her child that, Oh, and this is okay. So that's that's like we've already spoiled everything else. So so, like yeah, maybe put a spoiler <laughs> warning at the top. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's okay. I mean, people have figured that out. I think. Um, but there's this moment where Edith, you realize that Edith isn't talking to herself. She's talking to someone, and that someone is her unborn child. And then she looks mm-hmm. down at one point, and she's pregnant. So towards the end of the game, I'm thinking, wait a minute. Like I'm seeing this family tree, and it wasn't until the end where I was like, "Oh, she's on this tree." Like I wonder, I wonder if she's gonna die also. So even even worse than the feeling of uh, dying as Gregory as a baby, mm-hmm. I had this feeling of like, "Wait a minute, are they gonna make me play through the death of a pregnant woman?" <laughs> and and that like there have been multiple moments in the game where I felt uncomfortable, but that was definitely one of them, and. And like it did, it wasn't it wasn't that tragic, but it was it was scary at a point. Like when she's climbing that house, I'm like, "Woman, you oh, are yeah. very pregnant. What are you doing? So many people have died here." I know, right? Go back. It's like your whole family has a real hard time with like not accidentally dying. Yeah. Maybe don't go climbing stuff. What are you doing? <laughs> so how did you <laughs> interpret that? Like obviously she wants answers, right? But then it feels like, like did she feel like she was? fulfilling the curse was it like was it did it have to be that way that she feel like, so so she doesn't die t- there right she doesn't die no, at the house it seems like she dies in childbirth That's, is sort yeah. of the uh that that final scene is very dark and you're yep. um moving towards a, a white light at the end yep um, it's, you know, what year does it say on her tombstone? Do you remember? Uh, she dies 2017, 2017. Okay. So it is, it is shortly after the event at the house. Yeah. Yeah. Basically being like, she goes back to the house, she explores, she collects all of these stories into her own notebook and then I guess leaves and has the, you know, goes into labor and dies as her son is born is how I, I took that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was, I can't believe you just said all that. And we're talking about a game, right? I know, right? <laughs> a game that we enjoyed. A game that I love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I took that as Edith spent her life getting close to getting all of these stories, but her mom sort of kept her separated from it. You know, and when they leave the house, her mom, Dawn, like, rips the book out of her hands so she doesn't even get to read all of it that Edie left her. Yeah. Um, and so she's had this sort of buffer between her and her family history. And so she gets, her mom dies, and she gets the key. And so she's, and I guess then finds out that she's teen pregnant um, and uh, goes back to the house. And, you know, I took that as sort of, you know, I'm about to expand the Finch family. I should know what the Finch family is. And so she goes to try and uncover it. And in the act of doing so has this sort of realization, you know, better understanding of her mother, why her mother tried to separate her from this because the stories themselves had, you know, some negative effects. Uh, but it's also, you can't escape your history. And so it's like, if she didn't know, would it have even mattered or, or you know, would she have died if she hadn't? learned all the if stories she, yeah if she didn't go back to the house would she have died in childbirth uh, you know d does that necessarily matter because eventually she's going to die yeah so you can always blame it on a family curse if you want to <laughs> yep. yeah oh, such a good game such it a was. good game man yeah and and again like the also play Unfinished Swan if you if you if you've never played that one if you played this and you haven't played Unfinished Swan, oh play Unfinished Swan. There, there's something special these giant spire these yeah. giant sparrow guys. I can't wait to see what they work on next. Yeah, it took them a long time between Unfinished Swan and Edith Finch. Yeah, I mean Edith Finch is uh, for being a uh, quote unquote walking simulator. There's a lot going on. Yeah. In Edith Finch, I've actually I've got a um, Gama Sutra article up that's uh, creating the 30 different control schemes of Edith Finch. Yeah. <laughs> so they had they had a, around 30 totally individual things, which is crazy to think about because when you're controlling the game, it's the two analog sticks and the trigger, and that's yeah. it. And yeah. so everything you're doing is just the those three buttons in various configurations um it's really crazy to think about how how much storytelling and how much interactivity they got from just using those very simple buttons and packed into what a three-hour experience maybe mm -hmm. yeah, yeah like two and a half three-hour game yeah yeah Oof. wow and i'm glad yeah. we had this conversation <laughs> me too um, was there anything else about the game that you kind of um, think is 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 really important and worth discussing that we haven't touched upon? Um, I mean, I could go on forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so one of from my like, I guess my second playthrough is when I took notes. Um, okay. I wrote down. I, I wrote down the different ways that the family members had died and, and many of them were just accidents, yeah. right? It's the um, Gregory drowning in the bathtub is an accident. Uh, Calvin flying off of the cliff. Um, I mean, I guess, unless both I guess, of them have like, unless Gregory has telekinesis and Calvin is just learning how to fly. Yeah. And his flying powers. Yeah. You know, or, or they're both suicidal. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but but you know and um, 
like uh, Sam dying from the uh, the deer on the cliff. And what if the deer wasn't really dead and Sam was a necromancer and he didn't know it and he made it come back to life and <gasps> killed him by accident? Ooh. I'm saying anything is possible here. Any, Continue. Anything is possible. <laughs> but I, I really liked the idea of, especially in a video game, where so many games use use death as a mechanic. Um, you know, it's like you, you murder somebody and that is a good thing because you are forwarding your own experience through the game space. Um, but in real life, you know, death is is tragic and and unsatisfying, right? We don't, you know, we don't get answers. We don't, if somebody commits suicide, we don't really understand like why or what could we have done differently? How, how we deal with death is is really individual but also sort of cross-cultural and i really liked that what remains of edith finch made death feel unsatisfying hmm what do you mean what do you mean by what do you mean by unsatisfying well like, it, versus it, what? it always it always cuts off before the actual death and then you just, you know, you close the book or you, um, the comic book or whatever, uh, roll up the scroll. And and then Edith just walks walks off and continues on her way. And it's like, but how, especially in a game, it's like, could I have done something different to have saved them? Because hmm. in video games, you're used to having all of this power. But instead, it's like, no, they're just dead and there's nothing you can do about it. And that sort of feeling of like, but I want, I want to do, I want something else. I want, you know, I, I don't, I don't want the baby to be dead. I don't yeah. want Lewis to have become so depressed and disassociated from his life that he literally chops off his own head in a cannery. I don't want that. That's not satisfying, you know, and then moving that into, into real life. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've had somebody close to you die, but that, that feeling of like, I'm so unsatisfied because I didn't get to say all of the things I wanted to say, or I didn't get to do that thing that I wanted to do with the person. And it's just, it's just gone. It's an ending, but it's not a satisfying ending the way that, you know, happy stories or heroes journeys are where they come back to this nice conclusion. It's like, nope, just dead. I, I really liked that. That's so interesting because some of the some of the stories felt I didn't feel like they were that ab abrupt in the sense of like as a, as a game as a, as a short story like Lewis's for example right it mm -hmm. I'm almost like it comes almost to an inevitable conclusion where he's mm -hmm. he's gone as far as he can go and he's and he like the story that we're being told is that there's nothing that will satisfy him um, or like the ultimate satisfaction in this world is if this happens. Right. Mm -hmm. And you kind of play through it and you, and, and in a way he like lives past himself in a way. So like, Louis, again, Lewis's story is like the most special because, because it does have that feeling of, I, that feeling that you're describing of like um, not being satisfied at the end. Cause for a number of reasons, I, I didn't feel it as much with Lewis's, but I did feel it. Like with Sam, I felt that very much. Where mm -hmm. I'm like, he's building a relationship with his teen, with his with his adolescent daughter, and and this horrible thing happens, right? He's like, he's on a trip to just have a nice time with his daughter, yeah. um, and and Walter's again. It's like this. I, I I don't know, like if that's what he wanted or or not. 
um like did he is he finally better and then the worst possible thing happens or is it that he he accepts what's going to happen and so he goes out and faces it i don't i don't know but but yeah. there is something about having the it's like it's like Edie was never satisfied with the endings of all these stories, and that's why the rooms are preserved exactly as is. And there's almost mm-hmm. like a shrine. There actually there are multiple shrines to everybody throughout the house. Yeah, in the house, and then up at the graveyard. Yeah, and even on the top uh, on the roof where there was like uh, like there's these planters, right? There's like these. Um, plants with different people's names on them mm-hmm. it's like well this is something that we did and i'm just going to preserve that and she preserved all these different things yeah i don't know i mean i i like the idea of like Edie being this bad guy but i also like i feel for her like all these people died in her life and she Absolutely. did the best thing that she could to try to savor their memory or protect their memory or even yeah. or even make it easy to talk about i don't know yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely something something to think about. Is like was was Edie's obsession with these death stories? I mean, obviously that was her coping. That was her coping with the death of her family. Yeah, but unless was, she's the villain, you know. I mean, <laughs> even if she is a villain, it was it was clearly her trying to deal with yeah. like yeah, you know, guilt and and sadness of losing somebody you love. Yeah, she's. I, I do think she's. That preservation part of it is something that is very relatable. And I think that yeah. the game in general, like you started with the term death positivity, right? There is, it's amazing that we could, we've been talking about death for an hour and it mm-hmm. doesn't feel, it doesn't really feel depressing, right? And and yeah. people, we don't, as a, you know, it's, it's hard to talk about death. We don't, we don't do that easily we don't talk about real deaths um we don't talk about fake deaths in in a way that is particularly healthy and i love that a game like this can can get us to talk about different facets of death and 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 how it makes us feel and and i don't know death is complicated and this game is complicated and messy and wonderful and yeah ultimately like there were moments where i felt very uncomfortable especially at first but by the end, at first I was like, I don't know how many, how much more I can take of death. Mm-hmm. And if, I guess even by the time I got to Gregory, I was like, I can deal with death now. Like I can, I can have this conversation. You could give me another fifty deaths, and I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm in, right? And that's a weird way to think about it. But, mm-hmm. but, and, and I don't know how much of that was their design, but. It worked. Like I could probably. I'm. I'm curious. I didn't go back, but I'm curious if I go back and I start playing through again, if I'll feel as uncomfortable as I did, or if I'll kind of just like really embrace what's happening to Molly, and yeah. like knowing that that's what's going to happen. And I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What to think about. I definitely. Yeah. Like you're saying, I really, I really like that this is very much a game about death. And in a way that is very different from how most games deal with death and how most media, especially, I mean, this is very much coming from an American perspective. We have a really weird relationship with death where we love love violent John Wick death, um, but we don't want to talk about real death in real life, like ever. 
and we put so much distance between ourselves and death you know could get into big old talks about the you know uh um uh the death industry and and funerals and cremation and burial and embalming and all of that stuff is like that's not stuff people talk about normally that's stuff that you talk about when somebody has just died and now you have to plan a funeral like oh no how do i do that and that's not the part of death that we ever really focus on and so i liked not not that this game focused on that part so much but the idea of what happens to a family after death and and recognizing one like families continue that's the death happens and it's a natural part of life and life continues after death for the people around you and how how we recover from dealing with death and how we don't recover from dealing with death how we build monuments to our inability to recover from death hmm. yeah yeah so many people in this story or this game experienced the same deaths very differently. Mm-hmm. Ooh, man. What remains of Edith Finch? I hope you played it because you spoiled it. And if we spoiled <laughs> it and you hadn't played it, go play it anyway. Yeah, there's also, um, if you go Googling around on Twitch or YouTube, I'm sure you can find somebody has uploaded their playthrough. It's, I mean, even if you don't want to play it yourself, I think it's worth just watching yeah um it's it's a beautiful game and it's not super long so i think (laughs) everybody this is your homework go play or watch what remains of edith finch what was your pitch again (laughs) it's only two and a half hours just play it (laughs) (laughs) oh man oh lauren thank you so much for for coming on and for for pushing me towards playing the game finally Oh and man, I'm so glad that you responded positively to my tweet of being like, "Postway, you need to do this." It, it was on my wish list. Um, I was just waiting for it to to go on sale again, and um, yeah, it didn't did. So so we're good. Oh man, this is so good. Yeah, no, we need to have more talks like this. I I really really enjoyed it. Um, again, that's what remains of Edith Finch. This has been Headshots. Uh, thank you so much. You can find more episodes of Headshots at headshotspodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter, at HeadshotsCast. I am Josue A. Cardona on Twitter. And Lauren is Chicken Dinosaur mm-hmm. yep. on Twitter. That's me. Such a good Twitter feed. Such a good Twitter <laughs> ID. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Follow her. And I'll put all the stuff that you mentioned in the show notes. And can't wait to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. You've just listened to Headshots on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. For more about Geek Therapy and our other podcasts, visit geektherapy.com. <laughs>